Welcome to the Mother's Day edition of Sideline Saunas and Three Team Parlays. Hell yeah, brother. I'd like to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there today and a beautiful Sunday in the Keweenaw. Yep, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, you know, Oja, that's probably a special Mother's Day for you. First one without your mother. We all, everybody listening knows, um, you know, this, should know the story there. So, you know, special Mother's Day to your mother, Mary, who, who passed, and all the other mothers out there who are still kicking. So they yeah. definitely do a great job of putting up with us, right? And obviously, you. your mother and my mother raised two fine young men. <laughs> that is for sure. A little different this year, for sure, but all in all, we're good. So let's get after it here. What do we got going today? Croce? Well, you know, we've been one of our signature moments has been great moments in UP sports history. And let's start off today with just a great moment in the UP. Um, not even sports related, but the story of the eight-year-old boy from Hurley who was camping with his family in the Porcupine Mountains and was lost for nearly three days and then was found miraculously. I mean, what a great story. Of the, you hear about the search and the rescue and what this boy did to, to stay alive. It, it's absolutely amazing. In, in itself, the story is amazing. But then when we start looking at the connections that you and I have to this, the person who actually found him was a senior in high school at Hurley High School, a kid by the name of Eli Talsma, an incredible basketball player, great athlete, great kid, almost a 2,000-point scorer, great success. Uh, obviously, I follow their athletics very, very closely, but my connection to that story is even, it, it fails in comparison to your connection. Yeah, and this this made national news. I mean, it was on the NBC morning morning news show um the interview with the kid is amazing yeah he what what killed me is that i mean the kid was just didn't seem like there was any issues you know he was just so so alert and uh just handled this amazingly well but yeah so eli well his dad is from bruce's you and truck creek grad about 86 87 something like that mid 80s um, and I know him pretty well. They they have a deer camp right next to ours. I've got to know Eli a little bit through him because they've come over um, different times uh, over the deer season and stuff. So I know the guy, Eli's an avid outdoorsman for sure. Um, but yeah, him and his, one of his buddies, I think were just decided to take a different path, different road to look, uh, heard some noises, weren't sure if it was birds or animals or whatever, then stopped and, and heard it again. And realized at that time that it was actually, you know, this this boy, and and went and found him. And when they walked up to him, the kid just looked up and said, "Hey, Eli." Probably uh, probably a local hero for an eight year old boy at the school. Oh, geez, yeah, it was amazing. And uh, we have two full nights that he slept under. He made like a little, uh, you know, with under a log type thing, some type of uh, fort for himself or whatever to <laughs> to lay down and and. Eating nope. snow and not wanting to drink the water because he didn't want to get sick. And yeah, cleaning the if, dirty if, snow off and ate the clean snow. And If you listen to the story of what this kid did and walking in circles to try to be found, and what an amazing story. And, and you know, we talk about great things and the people of the Upper Peninsula, but this is just another example of. Yeah, he was like two miles, I think, away from the, their campsite. He went back to, to do something there and... Uh, Next thing you know, it was the search was on. So they asked him, "Are you ever going to go camping again?" Heck yeah! Did he? Yeah, he did. He oh, did. That's great. So what? What a great story! And and again, not just you know, we're just saying that Eli is somebody that you know that you and I have a little bit of a connection to. But I think there's upwards of 250 to 300 people part of that search crew, and you know, just an amazing story that this young young boy was found safe and sound. Yep, for sure. That was that was great. If, you guys didn't uh, didn't get to see that. You can probably find the info on that anywhere because, like we said, it was national, made national news. So that's for sure. Okay, Alge, let's move on to some sports here. And what do you? What's your take? Uh, the, we always talk about this. The NFL is a year-round deal, and any other sport have a big extravaganza when they release their schedule. What are your thoughts on the NFL schedule release? Only the NFL. Yeah, I think uh, what we should do next week is look at some potential season win totals that would be a good idea check out the vegas lines on these and and go through and and see what we can not just our teams but kind of create our own yeah go through and and pick those season win totals which you know vegas obviously came out with after the schedule but 
I didn't look at it that hard yet. I just know, I know the Cowboys open up with the Giants, and I know they have the Patriots coming to Dallas, and I believe their Thanksgiving Day game, and I might not be right on that. I know they play Mr. Rogers and the Jets. But I, for some reason, I was going to say it was Thanksgiving Day, but I'm not 100% sure. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll look into that. I'm going to look into that a little harder and, and go through some win totals. Um, what about the pack? What did you see there? Well, the couple things with the Packers schedule that I like. First of all, they got some primetime games, which I really am surprised to see. Oh, so does Detroit. Yeah. Well, Detroit's opening with the, the Chiefs on yeah. Thursday night. Yep. This will be a, it's a, going to be a big year for the Lions, you know, one way or another. Are All they, those poor Lion fans, if they get off to a rough start, I mean, it's going to be. Yeah. Because they're expecting everything this, this year. Yeah, and they and they have the opportunity where this could be a great year for, as a Lion fan if things work out. But, boy, you just got to keep thinking that the, the, the collapse is imminent, right? <laughs> a couple of things that I, I noticed with the Packers. The one, a couple of things I was concerned with is, one, uh, they were playing the Raiders on the road. And that is in Las Vegas. And I have some some friends that were very eager to find out when that date was. Uh-oh. Well, if you that travel to Vegas from time to time, and that stadium is right next to the Mandalay Bay in Luxor, which is usually typically where people stay. You don't have the date on it yet? Uh, it's October 9th. It's a Monday night football game. Oh. So I know a couple of friends are already booking their trips out there. The problem is, holy crap, initially, minimum minimum price for tickets is 350 bucks. So as one friend said, it looks just as good on TV. But that was an interesting game because I know there's a lot of Packer fans that might be willing to take a road trip. It's such a – Vegas is a, a tourist spot anyway, and then with that stadium literally right off the strip, it could be interesting. Who does Green Bay open with? I don't even know. I don't either. I haven't looked at that. I looked. I always look to see when they're playing the Lions, and the second part of their schedule that makes me happy is they're playing the Lions on Thanksgiving. That's a, a great time for those two to play. Oh, that is. You know, they used to do. I remember as a kid, it seemed like it was every year, and now to have the Packer Lion game on Thanksgiving is, uh, I think, something that'll really make that day even more exciting. So, other than that, um, you know, I think Green Bay's win total, if I remember right, is seven and a half. That's one of one of that I heard. Well, that will be determined by Mr. Love, that's for sure. You know, and just with that, I think the Packers, I, I, I'm not going to hang them out to dry just yet. I think the Packers have a very, very good running game, which I think is, is, is crucial to a, a new quarterback. I mean, that backfield they have is, uh, I would put it up against anybody. I know you're fired up both the, the rookie running back. Well, and then he's probably going to be three on the dip chair between Aaron Jones and Dylan. I mean, their backfield is pretty pretty stout, which takes a lot of pressure off that young quarterback. So if they could figure some stuff out on the O line, get you know, be competitive, I think they could they could exceed that win total. But we'll have to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, it looks like the Cowboys Cowboys have Washington. That's beautiful. Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving game is with Washington, and it's oh. week two. Well, that'll be bittersweet free with Coach Storm. Oh yeah, well, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe we'll have a little chat with him prior to that. Yeah, that assistant tight ends coach for the Commanders. We'll have to get a hold of him. At the Giants, and then week two, they host the Jets. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you what. The Jets are in the same boat as the Detroit Lions right now. Exactly. Their fans, they might even be. They could be. They could go from the penthouse to the outhouse in a quick hurry, and we'll see how Mister Rogers handles adversity in New York City. I got to think it's a little bit different than Oh, to start for them would be beautiful. Yeah, I don't think he would start whining and pointing fingers at people, right? <laughs> uh, you know, press conferences will be must-watch TV for sure. All right, Oge. Last week we talked about some some UP schools and how they had died out and name changes and stuff like that. And last week. How do we miss these two? Well, I didn't miss it because it's still, it still is a operational school, but I mean. We did mention other ones that were also. Yeah. You know, how about the Lakeland and Hubble Whiz kids? Yeah. I don't know why we didn't have that one on there, but considering that is, well, it's right where we're taping this podcast right now the marketing possibilities with that in this day and age hey oh beautiful and then the calumet sacred heart rockets we did not mention the calumet sacred heart rockets my uncle bill was a star player for that team in the 50s and my father's apartment is 
right on the grounds of that school, and we didn't mention that. People mad at us? Uh, there was a few. We got a few, certainly a few people uh, mentioned it. Quick story on the Calumet Sacred Heart Rockets. My Uncle Bill, star in maybe 50, let's go with 55-ish, 56, something like that. And my mother, who was six years younger, finally got to go to one of his games. They had a bar business in town, so it was tougher for them to go to all these games. And my ma said that her and her mother, my grandma Wheeler, went to the game and sat down and second possession or so of the game, my Uncle Bill hits a deep shot from the corner and the couple that was sitting in front of him, my mom, she she was so happy, started clapping. My uncle nails his shot and the couple that was sitting in front of him, lady looked at the lady next to her and says, boy, that Billy Wheeler could sure be a good basketball player if he didn't drink and smoke so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. The shame on my grandma's face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He probably had 28 that night, I bet. Um, so anyway, those those school names, if you guys have them out there, send them to us. I'd like to keep my list growing and growing because obviously we don't know all of them, all, you know, but I would like to keep that list going. It's it's a little bit of UP history that is intriguing and probably a good conversation starter someday over a nice cold tap beer. So let's move on to our great moment in UP sports history today, Oge. And this one, we're going to take a trip to the far end of the Upper Peninsula and discuss a track program that really second to none in the country. Yeah. And I have, have you ever been into Pickford? I have never been to Pickford. We played them once in football and it was ugly, but we have, I have never been to Pickford. When I get to the, that end of the UP, I'm looking across the bridge and get down 75 as fast as possible. Yeah, so Pickford... And I didn't realize how far back this went, but they were still a power when we were in high school. Right. Um, and their head coach. We're, ta- we're talking boys track. Boys Pick- track, yeah. Pickford High School. It's got to be a record. Yeah. I mean, this, like I said, I did not know how far back this went. And it, they were they were dominant in the 90s. Um, that was a cop, not a sneeze, Ed. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, they, they, they won, what is it, 25 consecutive UP championships? Is that what we have? Yeah. So there's the, the coach is Webster Morrison, le- absolute legend, UP Hall of Famer, Mission Coaches Hall of Famer, actually appeared in Sports Illustrated, was the coach. Faces in the crowd, correct? Yeah, That's actually... for, for people our age, remember that. I don't even know if Sports Illustrated is still alive, but faces in the crowd. So Webster Morrison was the coach. And as far back as I can find, he he started, he coached Chatham in 1951 to a UP state champion or UP track championship. And then the following year, 1952, he coached at Pickford. And from 1952 until 1978, Pickford won every single boys UP track championship. 79, they missed a beat. And then they came back and won in 1980. So all those years in a row, and Webster Morrison coached Pickford from 52 to 1976. That is impressive. Now, no doubt about it. They also up, upset a very tough U and Trout Creek boys team in 1991. Well, they probably had a little bit more depth. You know, so you don't you don't win small school championships like that with just having one really good athlete. You got to have some depth and to to have the the success that they have for that long, it's 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 amazing. Wonder if you go into Pickford Fires if they could uh, be interesting to listen to those people talk about the the top ten all time Pickford track athletes. Well, like I said, they were they were powerful when you and I were in school, and I, I can I can tell you some names. I remember the kid that threw the disc and the shot. They might still be UP records, but my 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 research on this has indicated that they are second nationally in consecutive championships to a powerhouse. Are you aware of the Honolulu Puhahu's 29 straight boys swimming championships in Hawaii? Say that one more time. Honolulu Panahu's 29 straight boys swimming titles. So Pickford boys track is second nationally in consecutive titles to a swim team in Hawaii. Well, that is impressive, I guess. 
I wonder if you can go to a bar in Honolulu Punahou's and talk about the top 10 all-time swimmers. That wouldn't be a bad spring break destination, hey? Put that down. So, and again, obviously, I don't know as much about the Pickford area. Like I said, we played them once in football. Didn't Nickname? Pickford Panthers. You know, I know people from Pickford, the football coaches there and such, and we've had some kids over the years that have coached in all-star games. And they, and they, they have a great athletic program there. But to win 25 straight championships, obviously, it's more than just having a couple of good athletes over the years. It's a program and prob- probably as, as good of a program in the Upper Peninsula as we've ever had. Yeah, for sure. So Pickford Boys Track, 25 straight championships under the direction of legendary Webster Morrison. Another great moment in UP sports history. Now, speaking of track, once we're on that subject, what are your thoughts on the, why is that such a dying sport or is it? It just seems, I, I'm just looking locally a little bit. It, it seems like the numbers, the, the, you know, I don't know. I haven't been to a meet. I worked, worked quite a few track meets over the years, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at it from the Calumet side. I don't know if that's what your thoughts are, where Lake Linden's numbers are, but it just seems like it's a, it's tougher to get kids out for track and field these days. It, does it have to do with the spring sports? Well, we got I got softball, it. I got baseball. this one. This one, this there, there's an easy answer. Because I miss good track meets. I, I miss... do too. And it's it, here's the thing: it, the schools that are being successful still are letting the girls play softball and run track, and the boys are playing baseball and running track. If you're splitting those kids in the spring, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face, in my opinion. You know, and I'm sure you're seeing that in, at Cal and other big but schools uh, that size. Yeah, I don't. The they're numbers easy. in Cal are down, I, and I, I don't. There's, there's some of these girls that are only playing two sports, which you know they're the athletes that are playing two. They're not playing either of them, so I don't. Maybe that's just the the group through Cal, but I mean, to me, track and field, it's not an easy sport. It's, it's, you know, there's, it's tough. It's tough mentally. Um, no one really loves track. I mean, there are, I shouldn't say no one, but you know what I mean? It was right. not, it's not easy to get out. It's probably school. not, it's probably not your number one sport. If you're a multi-sport athlete, unless you're a distance runner or something like that. And you like to run, but, but tell me it doesn't make you mentally tougher. I mean, tell me it doesn't prep you for other things down the road when you got to line up and, and race individually against kids and, or relays or whatever it is. It just, um, I don't know. I wish more kids were out. I love a good track meet. I love uh, watching kids compete that way. And I, I really think it's it's a it's a prepper for your other sports. I think it just makes you tougher. If you can get down and, and compete on a weekly basis against other kids. Especially it, in the weather conditions. Oh, we God. Well, here. that's the other thing up here. It's, you know, I, you know, maybe this isn't the case in other areas, but it's just our spring was horrible again this year. You know, you brought this up before, too. Wouldn't it be? It'd be so much nicer if you could have a baseball softball season in the summer, in June. You know, I I, I know there's reasons you can't, but God, it'd just be so much nicer to have that. Go watch those games and and these teams not having to deal with uh, snow and cancellations and then ramming all these games into two or three weeks prior to the the, the tournament. You know, right? And I I agree a hundred percent with you on pretty much every side of this argument. A track meet, you, you tell me a better event to watch in one day than the UP track finals. Oh, yeah, it's, it's and excellent. It, and it's not even the, the finals. A, a good track meet where, where you have some kids that you want to watch, a, a track meet is a really enjoyable thing to watch, weather permitting. Yeah, for but, sure. But I think forcing kids to pick between track and a, and a baseball, softball, in a, a spring season where you're just you're just so hamstrung weather-wise – I don't think I don't think it helps anybody. And a lot of these, when it comes to you mentioned the UP finals, some of these teams, these kids won't compete in the finals because they have baseball right. at the same time. And they and it's the issue with you would think would, they'd be able to figure that out. Yeah, but they haven't. It's it's the same. There's a you know there could be a, a district baseball tournament going on in Nagani, and you got kids that can't play in their or compete in the UP finals in track because they're going to play baseball. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't want to be on that UP athletic committee and make all these decisions, but there's just got to be a better way to do this than what we're doing, in my opinion. And again, I don't want to detract from any of these sports. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of track and baseball. 
uh, I absolutely love, obviously, you know, and then fast pitch softball is probably the funnest game I ever played in my life. I think that's probably the only girl sport I could see myself ever coaching. I love watching girls softball. Yeah. It's, so I don't want to take away from that, but no, I'm not, we're not, I'm not hammering on any of these other sports. It's just the whole, the whole thing with the, the spring sports up here is tough in general. And I, I just wish track could be uh, what it was 15 years ago. Cause it just doesn't seem like it is to me. I bet you Webster Morrison wasn't dealing with these same issues, hey? <laughs> Probably not. So, anyway, good banter there, Oge. Let's get those kids out for track. We are coming up on the regionals, I think, coming up this week, and UP track finals will be coming, coming down the pike. So, good stuff. The next part of our show, we're going to answer some questions from our listeners and this part of the program is brought to you by poor man's epoxy local handcrafted epoxy products in lakeland and michigan projects ranging from custom bars and countertops to cribbage and charcuterie boards no custom project is too big or too small check us out on facebook instagram etsy or at poormansepoxy.com contact brett at 906-369-0684 to get your project started Okay, Oj, we got some questions from our listeners here today. Uh, one that's directed directly to you, which I always like. And this is coming from our, our faithful listener, Ed in Waukesha. And he wants to know, he says, Oj, you get to have dinner with four of these singer-songwriters, and you have to tell the other six to leave the table. So we're going to give you a list of people. you got to pick four of them that you want to have dinner with, and the other six... You got to say sorry, thanks, but no thanks. Are you ready for the list? All right, give it to me. Let's see what we got. We got, I think I can pick your four here, but Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Dwight Yoakam, Gordon Lightfoot, Robert Earl Keane, Roger McQueen, Guy Clark, Willie Nelson, John R., John Prine. So four of them you're going to have dinner with. I, I, well, I for pick, those of you that aren't that are confused on the John R, that would be John R. Cash that he's referring to. Um, you want to try to pick mine? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Take write a stab at this. Yeah, you, you, you. I'm gonna put my list right now. Interesting question. Uh, I'm not sure where Robert Earl Keane came from. I mean, he's not bad, but I have no interest in having dinner with him. Uh well, Neil Young, I'd worry about him. He's like the king of grunge. I'm just guessing he might smell a little bit. <laughs> that would yeah, worry that's got to be a factor if you're going to eat a good yeah, meal. Yeah, if I'm going to go out and have a dinner with a guy, I just, I don't, there's, I'm guessing he would stink. So. All right, so Neil Young is out. Yep. All right, so far I'm still, I'm still. Dylan, out. too hard to understand. He'd be just mumbling over there at that whiny little voice, nasally voice of his. Okay. And I probably couldn't understand half what he was saying. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, nah, not not that big of a fan. I mean, we gave a tribute to him yeah, last week. Say, we already said that he wouldn't be. There wouldn't be anything interesting, I don't think, with him. Right. Although, maybe talking about that ex-wife of his that <laughs> killed poison. And John. I said Jim Belushi last week. Correction. Get corrected, John Belushi. Uh, Roger McGuinn would be kind of cool. He's the birds, but no. So for me, obviously Dwight. Yeah, I got him at number one. Guy Clark would be phenomenal because I would be able to talk to him about Towns Van Zandt. I got him in mind too. Willie Nelson, for sure. I got him there as well. I, hopefully he's vaping and not rolling one at the table. He does have good eyesight these days. Uh, and Johnny Cash, no doubt about it. That'd be my four. I, I, got th I, I guess three out of the four. You think John Prine would be in there? I I was actually kind of thinking you might like Bob Dylan just because of the stories, yeah. but I can understand the mumbling things and too so, intelligent for me too. I I get lost. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So that was Ed. Now that's a good good Thank answer. You, Ed Oat. from Waukesha. No, the same Ed from Waukesha has a question for Crouchy. What's the most annoying thing that Oge does before, during, or after the podcast? Either oh boy. Either in preparation or delivery or follow-up. This ought to be good. Your most annoying thing that you do. Oh, boy. How long is this show? Yeah, and he mentions now 
before, during, or after? Well, first of all, I would say that Oj, you're on the you're 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 more of an adorable person than on the prickly side of abrasive. So there's not a whole lot of things that really annoy me. Plus, I'm old and I got thick skin and things just bounce off my back these days. But I think one of the things our listeners should know is that Oj is a pretty good guy as far as you know. If we're taping this at his house, we're gonna have some snacks, aren't we? We're gonna always. always and some pretty good things. There's always different things to try. A good selection of we'll have some cheese and sausage. Some so far, I like cheeses. where this is going. Yeah, and some dips. You know, I mean, how many people listening to the show are going to have two different types of, of salmon dip or whitefish dip and things like that? And every once in a while, I'll, I'll bring a jar of a small town canning pepper jelly, a hint for a sponsorship maybe. And we'll always got some good snacks. And every once in a while, I'll bring a maybe a jar of antipasto or something we'll whatever we'll have some snacks maybe a couple beers while we eat but all the unique things that you eat oj and your your unwavering disgust for mushrooms is actually kind of a kind of annoying at times to the point where if you're eating the antipasto you will pick, pick the, them out right pick the mushroom right out of yeah, the and- jar the tough part about some of those antipastos is they they'll people that'll chop those mushrooms up small make it it's a total pain in the ass to get them out of there. If they're gonna put them in, at least leave them you know thumbnail size so I can see those damn things in there and get them out. Um, but yeah, it's tough when they chop them up. I cannot stand. I don't even like a mushroom. If part of that mushroom was touching my piece of pizza, it's tough for me to eat that piece. So yeah, and, and I understand like. Uh, we all know people that are very, very picky eaters, but I don't think you're a real picky eater. You're always, always no. got different things. So we always, I eat octopus in Mexico. Yeah. So, but mushroom again, I, I get it. You don't like it, but I think that at some point that it kind of, I don't know that it's annoying, but it's rather befuddling to the point that. Well, it's not the... going to stop either. So. Yeah. So anyway, Ed, and I'm sure you probably know, but Oja's dislike for mushrooms sometimes can be rather annoying. What do we got next? Well, we got Paul from Boise, and he wants to know, and this is a good question. It says, in an earlier podcast, you listed some of your favorite watering holes for your tens of listeners. What are some of your favorite eating out or takeout places in the Copper Country for some of their specialties? And he had listed some things like maybe you go here for a pasty or here for a fish fry or here for wings or or whatever. So, well, you mentioned pasties right off the bat. I think that's one we got to discuss. To me, to me, my favorite, you know, I like it. I, I shouldn't, I don't want to leave others out because there's half a dozen around here that are really good, but I love the Mohawk Superette. It was right in my backyard, front yard, I guess, um, a few years back when we lived in Mohawk, but uh Super Reddit does a great job with those pasties. That's that's one I really love. I think you could still. I think the expansion to their deli in recent years, you could you could include oh. the Mohawk Super Ed in a lot of things these days with their catering and stuff like that. When you lived there, the place was was fantastic, and now they've expanded it. So maybe one of the biggest hidden hidden gems of the Keweenaw. I like their pasties too, and they have the varieties on different days. And pasties are like like soundies. They electric or wood. They're both good. Right, there's just some that taste a little bit better. So yep. I would I would concur Mohawk Superette pasties. I'd put it number one as well. When you talk restaurants, bar type, you know, bar food type restaurants or dining places, I think uh, the one that comes to mind for me, and I've this has really been just recently that I've gotten gotten into this place so much, and that's Geno's in Hancock. It's not a bad drive for us from where we're at. So uh, zipping down there, the pizzas are phenomenal there, and their their uh, ravs are great. The sausage they put in the pizza, to me, it's, I might even take it over the sausage at the Drift Inn. They're very similar. And, They're uh, very close. The I Drift, agree. The Drift's pizzas are great also. I mean, that, those two pieces in your shot on those things. Yeah. They're they're heavy duty. Whereas Gino's, it's that really good thin, thin crust, which I love. The sausage is phenomenal. It's very unique. So that's, that's a place, spaghetti sauce there. Well, the Italian, everything Italian there is, is amazing, you know. And with without Geminani's being 
up and running. I mean, where else do you go for good Italian? I now, mean, I got an old buddy that will say that that is more Sicilian because they put cinnamon in their sauce. Yeah, well, he doesn't get a say on this show because he hasn't listened yet. And so I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, mean, on... I don't care what they put in there. It's fantastic. And what about our, what about our place in downtown Tamarack? That place, the, the, the old copper mine is kind of climbing up my list of favorite places now. Not a huge fan of the deep fried fish for fish fry, but the last few times I've gone there, it has been outstanding. They got chicken there now. The too. roasted chicken is great. The, and their pizzas are good. Their wings are fantastic. Again, another little hidden gem that I, I, don't, I don't know that everybody goes to. but um, And I like going there. It's always nice and quiet. But the food there has been fantastic. And then loading zone pizza, loading zone in general for Lakeland. And so I don't know if I have places I necessarily go just for certain things. I think it's more... The environment of the the bar and grill, you know, and taking advantage of what they are offering. You mentioned fish fry that that offshore place in Calumet is excellent. They do a really nice job with their fish fries. As far as takeout goes, we don't ever stay in right. And that all, place but... used to be operated on the back of the Legion. That's right. Yeah. So those guys and those guys do. If you know the guys that own that, they do a phenomenal job cooking food there. Yeah. So Paul from Boise, if he's, I believe he's around now, uh, back home in this area. So. Friday fish fry at the uh, offshore would be a recommendation anytime over in Lake Linden. Um, or in Lake Linden, sorry, Tamarack. Tamarack, loading zone in Lake Linden. I mean, you can't go wrong with what the, those And then as far as menus go, like just high-class type, high-end menus, you got to look at Harbor House, Fitzgerald's. Fitzgerald's, Harbor House. North and the Keweenaw, both those places are, are outstanding. Yeah, then they said the, the view... If you you know if you're going for dinner, overlooking Lake Superior, both of them, you know they treat you well. The food is fantastic. So a little high, little little more expensive, but worth every single penny. Thanks for the question, Paul from Boise. Now we are on to who wrote this one? Oh boy, this is our down here in Wisconsin. This is our pushing our, for a shot clock for high school basketball. Any thoughts on implementing a shot clock? Who's that from? This is all from. Jesse from Appleton. Oh, geez. A bunch from Jesse. Yeah, well, I would love a shot clock. I do, too. They, I, think, uh, I know SC Wisconsin's really pushing hard for it. I, I think it would be great. I think it would be. I think those uh, those situations at the end of those shot clock, you know, that's really exciting parts of possessions for me. I just love that. And um, it'd be interesting to see how that how that went in high well, school and I mean what's the what's the main the main issue with it Why? well I think one of the things is is cost you you need you need to have the the clocks to do it and you got to have another worker and you know what true. it's like at a small school getting people to to help out and you get those people and you, you you're gonna need more people now and you got to teach them the rules and then you got to put in the the clocks itself other than that, I don't know why you would. Well, Wisconsin, I wonder how many states have it. It's a good question. And here's my question, Oge. What's the, what are we setting that shot clock to in high school? Is 35 what it is in for in college? Yeah, remember they used to, didn't they used to be a 45-second shot clock? 45, I don't think, it would, I don't, to me it's got to be less than that. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't it's know. It's got to be more than. More than 24, obviously, so I'm guessing it would probably be in that 30 to 35. You know, 35 seconds would probably make sense, but I think that would be a blast. But, yeah, I get I get the cost, and then, like you said, you got to hire somebody to run that clock. Um, it'd be fun. I, I'd be all for it. Maybe if Wisconsin get, you know, jumps on this, maybe Michigan will be, be right there to follow. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it'll, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how this shakes out. Definitely make games. You know, the, the tempo of the games will be picked up. All right, Oge, we got one more from, we got another one from Jesse. We're going to give him some air Actually, time today. Actually, two more from him. Two more from him. Good. Uh, he is a very loyal listener. So when you go go to a baseball game, are you a peanuts guy or a sunflower seeds guy? No, oh, that's easy. I, yeah. Sunflower seeds are disgusting. Like, I, they drive me nuts. I mean, I, I they're a total pain to eat for one thing. Um just shoving those things in your mouth and then you got to crack them and then spit the, I, I just, I'm not a sunflower guy at all. Uh, peanuts, no. Oh boy, if there's two things that I can attack with a vengeance and just, I mean, 
hammered down as far as snacks, it's popcorn and peanuts. And I can put away a, a tub of popcorn. I, I mean, I would, I would dare to say I'm one of the great popcorn eaters of all time. <laughs> and uh, anybody that's been around me at a movie would know or and in I, any I've, other situation. At, I've seen you in action at the Lakes at Lounge. The, oh, God. At the, yeah, it's, it's over. Oh, that's great popcorn. Uh, but peanuts also, you put a bag in front of me, I'm going to fill up a bowl of shells in a matter of minutes. So, yeah, that's it's no doubt about it, peanuts for me. If I'm if I'm playing baseball, I can I, I the sunflower seed. That's about the only time I really like sunflower seeds to give you something to do, blah blah blah, while you're watching. But not watch or uh, when you're sitting in a stance watching a game, like you said, that it's gross. But peanuts, I'm, I'd be the same way, you know. Well, obviously, eating peanuts around a campfire is a fun activity as well. <laughs> Probably, I wonder if. Uh, if the Super Ed has is still selling peanuts now that you brown bag peanuts, up. yeah. So, I guess both of us are peanuts guys, and we got one more from Jesse. Yeah, he mentions, uh, and and this is, it's interesting because I think this probably has come to people's minds from the pandemic. Correct? Is this when this stopped? And he's mentioning the NBA coaches, even college coaches, now wearing more casual outfits. So are we more into these coaches having to wear suits or are we into this new casual look? Well, why in the world was wearing a suit while you're coaching ever a good idea? It looks, well, first off, can you explain to me why the hell it stopped? Just be, I mean, so there's no fans? Is that what it was? I, apparently when, when it must the, be for the, all, all for show. But I don't, yeah, I don't, it stopped during the pandemic. It stopped yeah. during the pandemic. All of a sudden, when that was going on, there was no more suits. And I mean, I don't, I, I, I enjoy looking you. at those guys. Most of them are. Can you imagine wearing a, a three piece suit coaching a basketball game? Oh God. I can just see it right now. That vein on the side of your head coming through and you're just sweating through three layers of clothes. I will say the tennis shoes is a little bit odd. I'm not a fan of that. Well, I don't think I don't wear tennis shoes with pants for one thing. Yeah. But you got some issues. Jeans. Never. I wouldn't wear them with dress pants. Uh, hey, let's focus on the attire here, not the footwear uh, and your own. I'm just preferences. saying that part bothered me a little bit. I, I like the casual look, but I don't like tennis shoes with it. But why? Why did they ever wear a suit? I don't know. Just it must be for looks. But yeah, being in a comfort. I mean, they don't look like. I don't think they look like slobs by any means. I think it's a good look. I think it's something that's probably maybe one of the most positive things that came out of that pandemic. And answer me this one, since we talk a lot about baseball. Why does a baseball manager have to wear a uniform? And and right now, a lot of them are, are only wearing half. So I'm thinking if you're going to do that, they should be full bore like they used to be, an actual jersey. Yeah, now they're just like wearing Like Craig Council wears a hoodie. Yeah. It's like a, a Bill Belichick-type hoodie with his baseball pants on. That That's annoying, too. But you're right. They shouldn't have to do any of that. But if you're going to do it, <laughs> put the – It's it's not it's not like uh, Bobby Cox is coming out, coming out of the dugout to pinch hit in the seventh inning here. <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't know, but like I said, if you why not wear the whole thing? I just I don't I don't like the I don't like the hoodie look with these managers. Anyway, so yeah, let let's uh let's keep with the casual look on the sidelines for NBA college goal. I I agree. I'm I don't think we need to go back to suit and ties, but okay. We got one more question. Matt from Mohawk is back. He's been on a little hiatus. He says, Greetings, Crouchy and Oge. What do you guys think of Draymond Green? Oh, Boy, um, I, I guess the first thing would be, I think it's got, if you would have asked me this five years ago, I would have said, plain and simple, if you're not a fan of Golden State, you can't stand him. But if you're a Warriors fan, you love the guy, for what he brings to, to that team. But I think now it's even become more of an annoyance for those fans. I think it's his, it seems like it's just getting a little over the top with him. Um, the, the constant complaining to the officials, um, you know, and he's gotten himself into into some binds with technical fouls in, in crucial parts of these games. So I think he's he's taken that nonsense to another level where it's now probably more of an annoyance to even the Golden State fans. I'm guessing I, I'd love to get an honest opinion from Steve Kerr or some of these players on what they think of his you know his antics now. Well. Here's a, here's a question before I give you my 
dissertation on this. Do the players on the Warriors team like having Draymond on their team? I don't think Jordan Poole did in the preseason. Who's Jordan Poole? But do you think those guys like have appreciate what he brings to the table? He's a, he, he's a, he's a pretty good player. So do you know who Draymond Green is? He's a modern-day version of Dennis Rodman. Brings a lot of distractions. Brings a lot of nonsense. Does a lot of chippy things that other guys don't do. Diverts a lot of attention to himself. But at the end of the day, is Draymond Green a Hall of Fame player? Dennis Rodman a Hall of Fame player? Both good defensively. Yeah, and Draymond's offensive statistics have gone down, I think, since he originally got in the league. I and mean, he wasn't, he rarely shoots now. You know, right. he, he came out shooting the other night. Eight to 10 points a game. Um, but he yeah, just, that's a good point. He just reminds me of, of what Dennis Rodman, and, and whether you liked Dennis Rodman or you hated his guts, he was doing that same type of, filling that same role that Draymond is filling right now. Right. You got the superstar players that need to get their shots and do all this. And if anybody bumps into to Stephen Curry, he's going to be the first guy there to, yep. to, to get his back. There's no doubt. He does all those little things. He, he gets out there and grinds and takes the pressure off those guys. There's no doubt about it. You saw Izzo was at the game the other I day. I saw that, so yes. Izzo, obviously, you know, high on his list of, uh, well, probably both ways. Feelings mutual, right? A lot of respect, mutual oh, respect yeah. between those two. Do you think Draymond's play is his personality or if it's more of – of a show to fulfill that role, knowing that 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 there there is a demand for that in in the league. There's always been that type of player, that grinder, that enforcer type of player. How much of that is just natural emotions, or how much of it is yeah. premeditated? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll I mean, bet you. Uh, I'll bet you. Steph Curry is not picking him up at a casino in Vegas to make sure he gets to the game on time. Right. If you, but if he could knock out out some of the technicals. You know, you don't have to take it that far where he's constantly getting those. And, and especially the ones that are in critical moments. You know, how many, what was that, about four years ago when he kicked LeBron in the ding-ding? He kicked him right in the ding-ding, yes. So And was suspended and could have cost them the NBA championship that year. All right. So good question from Matt from Mohawk. Again, thank our listeners for sending us some questions. Keep them coming. Bologe. Uh, the other day, uh, as I'm scrolling through the news and checking all the things, I see that one of our favorite Tigers of all time just turned 66 the other day. Sweet Lou Whitaker, second baseman, him and Trammell up the middle for many years with Detroit. Most games played by a combination in MLB history, 1,918 games together. How many double plays? Hey? Oh, boy, those guys were good. Those guys were as a kid, those two were fun to watch. And Alan Trammell recently got into the Hall of Fame. Yep. But you, you know who, who's not? Well, I'm guessing you're going to mention Lou Whitaker. Yeah. So we got to get Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame, don't you think? Yeah, I don't even. There's, there's, the last few years, it seems like the the Hall of Fame inductions, it, there's been a little bit watered down. I I'm uh, I get a little annoyed with some of these people that are getting in. Did you see who who got in this year? Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland. Yeah. Are you saving his baseball card? No. No. I I don't get. Uh, I'd love to hear the rationale for not getting a guy like Whitaker in. I'm guessing maybe it's longevity. Like what? He played from 1977 to 1995 for the Tigers. Okay, I don't mean longevity in the amount of years you played. I mean longevity as far as number of quality years that you put out there. 276 career batting average. You know what Scott Rollins was? Nope. 281. Lou Whitaker, 244 home runs as a second baseman. That ain't bad. I, I saw a stat recently. They had... It might have been on Twitter. Did I send it to you? It was about, I think it. there was 10 Hall of Famers yes. at second base, and they they had whatever stats were listed for these 10, and Whitaker was number 11 on that list right. of all those. And I don't get it. I, I just, I, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Thousand, over 1,000 RBIs, over 2,000 hits, had his uniform retired by the Tigers, 1978 Rookie of the Year, five-time All-Star. I mean. Yeah, well, maybe. 
if you look at the career stats, maybe it's not enough years put together consecutive that were uh, you're picking, Hall of Fame worthy. If you're picking teams, you'd pick in Scott Rowland over Lou Whitaker? And Probably I, not. I, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think you, I agree with you. It was watered down. Well, what about, let's, I mean, let's look at one of your favorite players, if not your favorite well, player of this, all time. What no. about Murph? What about Dale Murphy? Well, the, I, could, I could go off on this for hours. That he is. Dale Murphy is my favorite all-time player for the Braves, number three. He played 18 years. This is actually, if you if you start researching this, there's actually a huge group of people that are really pissed off about this, and I'm I'm one of them. Dale Murphy played for the Braves for 18 years, back-to-back MVPs in 82 and 83, and was in the top 10 for the next couple of years after that. Back-to-back MVPs. 82-83? Yep. He hit, hit 281 and 82, hit 302. Now, if you look at this, though, just what I had mentioned, about consecutive years of quality baseball, he, he only hit 300 twice. Yeah, well, he also was up over up at 400 home runs. 295 and 87. His career average is 265, 400 that home runs. makes it tough. 2,000 hits, 1,300 RBIs. But back-to-back MVPs, how many, how many back-to-back MVPs are not in the Hall of Fame? Tell me. I think just him. 36 homers. Boy, he had a great five-year span there. 82, 36 homers, you, you pick 83, and... 36 homers, 84. He had 36 in three consecutive years. Yeah. And he, then in 85, he had 37. Holy consistent. He was a, he was a consistent 30-30 guy. 1987, 44 homers, 105 RBIs. How about the – I sent you the video of him where in the game – one game, he makes a catch and cuts his hand on the fence. And the next game, with all stitch, his hand all stitched up, comes in and pinch hits a home run to win the game. Yeah, you tell me. He was pretty good from 82, 82 to 87. Um, yeah, that's a good one. And you're going you're gonna to put, you're gonna, you're gonna gonna... put Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame over Dale Murphy. Well, you weren't a Scott Rowland fan, were you? I don't even – it's not a, I dislike him, but he hit 281. 300 home runs, 1,200 RBIs, 2,000 hits. I mean, he wouldn't even, yeah, whatever. Dale Murphy belongs in the Hall of Fame. But I, I could go off on that for, for days. I'm going to stop at that. But I'd like know. to hear, and if there's some baseball fans that, true baseball fans that listen, I'd, I'd love to hear a few, uh, few comments or some names thrown at us for next week or whenever that we can yeah, we discuss could really, a little bit. Couple others you had talked about here and written, written down: Keith Hernandez and Andy Pettit. What's your thoughts there? I like Keith Hernandez. You know, he wasn't a power hitter, but man, he, Once he dated Elaine Menace. He, he did, he did, and Jerry helped him move. But you want to talk? There's there's three three lefties who have swings that I just I can still I can just picture as my eyes close. One is Ken Griffey Jr. Two is Will Clark. I was just gonna say Will Clark. And three Keith Hernandez. That sweet left. Some days I wanted to be a left-handed batter just because of those guys. And Keith Hernandez damn near hit 300. He had in 17 seasons. Now again, he, he hit two, 296. He was really good defensively. He, too. Well, he had a, he had 115 career errors in 17 seasons. First base is a, a tough place to play. There's a lot of things, but yeah, he had a great glove. I liked him. I, like I said, I, I'm going to put him in before Scott Rowland. Just a, a a sweet swing, great defensively. So he's one that I think should go in. And Andy Pettit doesn't have great stats, but man, what what a postseason career that guy he had. Sure eh? got it done when it counted. Yeah. So there's a couple couple people I think need to get in there. Off the MVP part, but how about the Nolan Ryan? Well. Wow. How do you explain that? Not this is the biggest. Young. This could be the biggest travesty in baseball. Nolan Ryan, who you could make a case is the greatest pitcher of all time. I, I mean, if you told me he was the best, I'm I'm not arguing with you. He never won a Cy Young award. Yeah, that is amazing. He threw a no hitter at age 44. You should uh, you should look at the guys that won the Cy Young over him. You know, I'm sure he finished second numerous yeah. times, but yeah, that is something. Yep, that's a. Uh, Travesty, in my opinion, but yeah. So send it if you guys got some people you think should be Hall of Fame worthy. Um, send them our way. Obviously, this is something that we banter a lot about. But Oj, let's hit let's hit the old top five here. Oh, we're back to the top five list. This week, I'm gonna talk about 
my top five sporting events, professional sporting events that I have been to in person. Um, so I'll, I'll start out with number five. And this is kind of an odd one, but at that, this point of my life, I was, uh, I loved it. It was, it was just a, it was a cool moment. And that was going to the Bucks game on the day Glenn Big Dog Robinson made his NBA debut. He was the oh. number one pick by the Bucks, and it was at the Bradley Center. We had seats behind behind the basket, and uh, the place was just, they were going nuts. And every time he touched the ball, you know, waiting for that first bucket to go in. And that was a big thing because the Bucks were just, they went through a horrible stretch for a while. And uh, he obviously, but, which is why you get the number one pick. But but Big Dog was one of my favorite college players. Oh, all time. That, his, his career at Purdue, that tournament run was amazing. 15 feet from the basket, his shot, outstanding. And, and you know, he, he wasn't a... a NBA great. I mean, he. I bet you he had. You know, he had a good run of scoring, probably twenty plus points. Bucks had some good teams there when they had Ray Allen, mm-hmm. Big Dog, Sam Cassell. Um, you know who Big Dog reminds me of? He kind of reminds you of Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's good. That kind of that that same physique. Six, six eight compared to seven or whatever. Right. But you're right. That their their game is is. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of like. That's pretty good. Number four. I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but the Brewers finally getting to postseason play. Um, they were at this point; it was uh, you know trade deadline time, and they were in the in the mix. So we were waiting to see what they're going to do, try to pick up this whoever they could pick up to for the stretch run to get in. And they made a blockbuster deal and traded with Cleveland and ended up getting CC Sabathia. And we went to a Brewer game and had great seats, by the way, first base side, and and watched CC pitch a complete game in Miller Park. And it wasn't to clinch, but it was close. It was, I mean, they used him up big time in that that stretch run, and they got in the playoffs. But I've never been in Miller Park where it was more electric than that night watching CC's Bathia pitch. So that's my number four, three, and you might question this, but I'm still going to put it there, and it's not higher in the list because I was not actually in the game. But I was in the Deer District, Game 6, 2021 for the Bucks. We went down and did not get tickets to the game. So how would you watch the game? Anyway, we did not get tickets. We watched on a big screen. It was a movie screen. So I watched watched that same game on a big screen. But anyway. There was – yeah, but you didn't have marijuana all over. That's for thank God. I could not believe it. There was pot everywhere in Milwaukee. And I found out it's only because the fine in the city of Milwaukee for smoking weed is a dollar. So, that would, game six. That would have annoyed me. Deer District, it was jammed. I was actually a little nervous. It was it was so packed. But it was fun. That was 2021. Bucks won the NBA championship that night. So, I wasn't actually in the game, but I was damn close. Uh this one, number two, and this goes back to 1994. Now, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl in 93 and 95. And they had a hell of a team in 94. This team ended up losing to San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. But I had the fortune of being able to go down to Texas Stadium with a couple friends from Stevens Point And... Watched the Cowboys and the Packers play on Thanksgiving Day. That's a, that's a good that's and a good one. It was a blast. And Green Bay was ahead seventeen to six at halftime. Is this a Jason Garrett game? He, exactly. They had good uh, memory. They, hey? they had Troy Aikman was hurt, and the Cowboy backup quarterback at the time. Well, you think I could have blocked that game out of my mind, hey? You know who the Cowboy backup was? He was also hurt. Oh, Bobby Brister. No. Rodney Pete. Oh boy. Rodney Pete was the backup, and he was hurt. So in came our third stringer by the name of Jason Garrett, and he lit him up in the second half. Alvin Harper over Terrell Buckley. i trying to draw that out of my memory oh, as well. Oh, beautiful. So that was number two going into Texas Stadium. And number one, and this was pretty cool, we actually won tickets to this game. In 2002, we won tickets through a – 
some prize deal. I don't know. It was a raffle or whatever on the um, in the Milwaukee Journal, and we went down and watched the 2002 MLB All Star Game. Ooh, historical one. Yes. And why is that historical? Because it was only the second time, and it still is, that the game was never completed, ended in tie. All the pitchers were used up, both sides, and Bud Selig waved it off, and that was it. Didn't go to extra innings. Game over. So that was pretty cool. Changed the whole complexion of the All-Star game after that. That's when they switched over to yep. home field for the World Series, right? And just a note, yeah, 1961 was the other one I just read about. They, they called that game because of an absolute downpour, just a monsoon. So they, they called the 61 game in a tie also. But one of the highlights of that game, Barry Bonds uh, hit a blast out to right field, and Torrey Hunter made an unbelievable catch robbing Bonds of a home run. So just a side note on that. 2002 All-Star Game, I was there. Oh, nice, Oge. I don't go, I haven't been to a lot of professional stuff. I mean, it, noteworthy stuff. I've been to a number of Packer games. I've been to Miller Park, you know, a handful of times. Been to, actually, it was the old Metrodome. Almost got hit with a fall ball by Jason, from Jason Giambi. NBA games, I've been to a couple. But there's only a couple things that I think when we're talking about great live events I've been to. So I only got three of them that I'm going to give. You gave a top three last week. I'm going top three. I'll give you a dollar if you can guess what sport I'm going to pick as my number three. Hmm. Well, were you ever at an NHL game? I have never been to an NHL game. But my number three, I have been to a professional tennis tournament. Really? I was at the Erickson Open in Miami, Florida. I want to say 2001, sometime early 2000s. Like on a spring break type thing? We were, it must have been a spring break type of deal. And we were down visiting one of my wife's cousins. And somebody, a friend of hers or something, I don't even remember who I was with, um, had tickets to it. And I'd always, I've always liked playing tennis. You know, I'm not a huge fan of it by any means. But they asked if I would like to go. So this friend and I, we Drove over and we watched the Erickson Open. Well, now why is that important? Well, I got to see, this is right, kind of the name Jennifer Capriotti. Oh. But the other name, the big time name was one of the all-time greats was Monica Sellis was playing. So I two female tennis players I saw, which I don't know that I will ever go to a tennis thing again, but, you know, a couple of all-time tennis greats for sure. That grunting. Were you from close the, enough to hear the grunting? No. We were, like I said, the seats I think we got were free and it was not packed. Let's just say that. But that would I'd put at number three. Um, number two, I was in college at the time and um, a cousin of mine and I, we, we scammed some tickets to the Packers-Falcons playoff game at Lambeau Field. Mm. So that was a good, that was fun. What um, year? I think it was 90, I want to say 96. So Favre? Yeah, Favre, Chimera. We're right in the corner end zone, about 15 rows up, and I'll I'll let you win your dollar back if you guess where we picked our tickets up from. Um, Sportsman's Bar and Lena. You got it. We're even. Yep, we picked up those tickets, watched that game. It was it Packers won. It was great. And then probably one of the coolest sporting live events I've been to, and I want to say it was 94. I was at a Packer-Lion game again. And it wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't anything else. But we were there, and the great Barry Sanders was playing, who oh. who I will say in my lifetime, I, I'll put him up as the best running back. He's my number one running back of all time. And you know what the Packers did to him that day? Held him to under 10 yards. Minus 13 yards. The Packers held Barry Sanders to minus 13 yards that Well, that's day. because a lot of times Barry didn't have a fullback and would be dancing around the backfield a little bit instead of hitting the hole hard like the all-time leading rusher Emmett Smith. Yeah. Was not a downhill yeah, runner. Yeah, just, just think if Barry had, did play on a team that had an all-time offensive line. But anyway, got to see it – was, it was at that game watching the Packers uh, hold Barry, which, again, not an NFL, NFL championship game or anything like that. But if you ask people about that, that was a pretty pretty cool pretty cool event. So those are our top fives for this week. Oj? We got a, our special segment, one of your your uh, noteworthy parts of the program, and I'm I'm hearing rumors that we might actually have a sponsor coming down the pike. We probably can't say anything just yet, but we have somebody interested in uh, sponsoring. Listen to the lyrics. So this week's song is another written by the great Chris Christopherson. As the story goes, Christopherson originally planned to name the song Bobby McKee 
after a secretary that worked in a Nashville recording studio. He came up with the words while driving, put them to paper, and the rest was history. It was recorded by himself, Roger Miller, and many others, but the one you're going to hear is an absolute classic. And remember, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Busted flat in Baton Rouge Waiting for a train And I was feeling near as faded as my jeans Bobby thumbed a diesel down Just so far it rained And rode us all the way into New Orleans I Freedom is just another 
Well, Oj, that brings us to the end of episode 12 here. We had a little bit of a snafu with the episode 11, apparently, that we were unaware of last week. Yeah, thanks to one of our listeners that made us aware, or at least made you aware. Yeah, we, we played a little bit of Gordon Lightfoot last week, which was through Spotify, and they allowed us to put that on there. But apparently, episode 11 is only showing up on Spotify's site. So if you're on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Amazon Podcast, it wasn't showing up. So we think that's what happened. But So we apologize to that, but we still had to pay a little bit of a tribute to Gordon Lightfoot, I think. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Oj, we're just wrapping up episode 12 here so far. We've come a long way, don't you think? I mean, what what are your thoughts so far on this podcasting show business deal that, you, that we're dealing with? Well, it's going to be interesting now. We're getting in the summer months. Not a whole lot of sports to talk to talk about, but um, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And it seems like, you know, we're, we've doubled our fan base. Yeah, I think we're almost up to 20s. But yeah, kind of fun. It's been fun. Yeah, and we appreciate people listening. I know we, we joke about a lot of stuff and poke fun at things, but yeah, this has been it's been a little bit of little bit of fun. Um, hopefully, we'll keep getting better at this and keep keep plugging away. Um, next week, I think we're going to start taking a look at the all-time MLB team, right? Each position. Yeah, that'd be. I think we. Uh, Dale Murphy will not be on this, by the way. I don't think Robin Yelt will be either. We'll get into that. We have. Uh, I'd like to hear again, like to hear from our listeners and mention a few of those baseball players that did not get into the Hall of Fame. Keep throwing questions at us. We have a lot of fun with those. And uh, yeah, we'll, oh, let's not forget, we're going to talk a little bit about those over unders. Oh, yeah. We'll on, put together on win totals on for the NFL, NFL schedule. Yeah, we'll get, it looks like we got a little bit of homework to do this week. Hey, so uh, we're going to look at the all time baseball team. You know, thanks to poor man's epoxy for being our, for sponsoring our listener questions. Hopefully we can have our legal team drop the contract to get the sponsor for listening to the lyrics. Um, and we'll have an, another episode next week. See you, Oge. Talk to you later, Crouchy.